we have on with us Drew Vernon. Just a little bit about Drew. Drew is a marketing director for uh, the Tony Box. He also has experience within um, opening businesses, working for Lego. He's created a prescription for play, building a network of 2,500 pediatricians to promote daily play between parents and children, not using screen time, which we'll get more into that in a little bit. He is he does have his MBA in brand and product management from the University of Wisconsin, which is awesome. And we are blessed to have him. So without further ado, Drew, how are you? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me, Dustin. Thank you for coming on, Drew, and thank you for your uh patience and heap of experience. Yeah, no, it's great to be here. And uh yeah, uh I'm excited to, to chat with you and, and with Jaden. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited for this one because when when I bring up the fact that you promote uh, healthy play and education with children and not using a screen, I'm all ears for that one. Considering the generation we're in, yeah, it's uh, it's definitely something that's top of mind for a lot of families, and uh, it's something I'm extremely passionate about. So uh, I think the more opportunities we can give to. Uh, give kids screen-free resources. Uh, that's something I want to be a part of. First and foremost, though, let's have some fun and get to know Drew a little bit. So I gave I gave the Cliff Notes version of your accolades, but let's get to know you a little bit, Drew. So you have an MBA from the University of Wisconsin. Um, let's get to know you a little bit more. Jaden's stoked about your MBA, by the way. He likes that school. Yeah, very nice. Uh, yeah, I can give you a brief intro a little bit. Uh, I did go to school for brand and product management uh, out in Wisconsin, uh, go Badgers. And from there, I moved to Cincinnati, Ohio, where I spent five years working in the beauty category. I worked for P&G uh, doing new business creation, uh, which was taking a look at new and disruptive technologies that could become new brands. Uh, from there, I moved into the toy industry uh, with Lego, and I uh, ran the preschool business for Lego for a few years. Uh, and that's when I created Prescription for Play, which we can talk more about if you'd like. Uh, and that um, while I was in Connecticut for Lego, I also uh, was looking for uh, an additional challenge, um, probably crazy in retrospect, but that's when I created a, a state licensed daycare um, for a drop-in child care center uh, in uh, Hartford, Connecticut. Um, and from there I went to Tony's and that's where I am now. So that's a, a little bit more detailed, but still kind of brief, uh, history of, of where I am. So when you went through all of your education and you went through kind of your journey, did you see yourself creating something like this, doing something like this? I know you said you're passionate about it. Was this the thing that like came to fruition as you were going through schooling and all of this? Yeah, I, I've always been passionate about marketing. So uh, when I was in high school, actually, uh, I kind of had two loves, uh, academically speaking. One was business and the other was psychology. And uh, psychology was just, for me, fascinating to understand why people do the things that they do. And and uh, when that meets business, you're trying to understand consumers, uh, understanding purchase decisions and how to solve uh, problems with products and services. And so I went to my MBA school 
uh, with that passion for marketing and decided to go to P&G, as I mentioned, where it's just, you know, world renowned for marketing. Uh, I learned a lot. Uh, I kind of cut my teeth on marketing, but at the end of the day, I was selling a lot of mascara, lotion, uh, moisturizer, and I just wasn't having a ton of fun with that. I wasn't, you know, naturally uh, curious or enthusiastic about the categories I was working on. So I wanted to do something a little more fun, which is what brought me into toy. And that's kind of where I got my passion for uh, the toy industry, for early childhood development. Uh, and that's kind of where I've settled in now, uh, you know, 10 years hence from my MBA uh, and where I'll likely stay is, is working with uh, kids and working to in- improve the childhood experience. And I definitely want to get more into that um, with respect to like what you're doing with kids and all of that. But first and foremost, we are an entrepreneurship and self-development podcast. So your heap of experience within marketing and brand management and branding, I kind of want to hone in on that a little bit, kind of your journey to kind of help our listeners that haven't been through that journey yet to kind of help give them kind of idea, right? How it works. Sure. Uh, Yeah. Uh, I've always considered myself to be kind of like an ideas guy or or a strategic guy. Uh, It's easy to have an idea. Uh, I think, you know, making it um, come into existence or to create it, that's kind of the hard part. Uh, But I really see the beginning of the entrepreneur's journey as identifying a need or a problem out that's not being solved and working to solve that. Um, So, Kind of the the first, you know, tangible example I have of that, or the one that I like to tell people about, is um, creating the the prescription program at Lego, and actually was using a strategy that I had learned at PNG. Um, so, uh, one of their common strategies is called POME, P O M E, point of market entry, uh, which is to find a consumer in the first moment of need and to try to give them a product or brand introduction. Um, and that's kind of why you see um, actually uh, the first product that a human being interacts with in the United States, uh, in most cases, is a Pampers diaper. Uh, you're born as a, as a baby. Within 10 seconds, you have a Pampers diaper put on your your uh, rear end. And that's uh, by design. That's part of a point of market entry. Uh, P&G does that for a lot of their uh, categories. Uh, you know, another example, when I was 18, I signed up for the, the military draft. And a few weeks later, I got a razor in the mail. And that's because Gillette had purchased the draft list and they wanted to send a free razor out to all the 18 year olds. And, you know, I ended up buying replacement blades uh, for, you know, 15 plus years because of that. So that's the strategy that I took um, in creating prescription for play, which was a, a doctor's program to, uh, to, to take parents of 18-month-old children uh, when they were going to a wellness visit and to uh, have the doctors prescribe play uh, to give them a prescription card and a product sample. And it ended up being uh, a pretty big success. And I think it just spoke to kind of that strategy. Um, So that's one example I like to tell of of, uh, being entrepreneurial-minded and using strategies in new and different ways. You said you worked for Lego as well, too. What'd you do with them again? So I manage the preschool business, which is the the Duplo bricks. Uh, it's uh, larger than the uh, the system brick, um, 
And it's for the kids, you know, from 18 to 36 months, essentially. So I did the marketing and, and uh, managed the brand uh, for Duplo. Yeah, my daughter used to play with those and used to hit me with them for some reason or another. But it was uh, it was real fun to watch her build certain things. And now she's in those little tiny Legos trying to build those and she's getting frustrated and all that. It's fun to watch her. Yeah, it's a great brand, uh, you know, helps uh, their mission is to inspire and develop the builders of tomorrow. So uh, you can't go wrong giving your kids uh, Lego bricks. Plus, they've evolved so much from when I played with them all the way up until now. You can put like motors in them and stuff. It, it's insane how much they've evolved. Uh, yeah, they're constantly coming up with new sets, different kind of sets. Uh, motors, like you said, they do a lot in uh, STEM now with robotics and things like that a lot of schools we use lego uh so yeah it's a great uh uh great toy for kids speak oh sorry go ahead Jaden. what are some of the challenges you think of managing such a big company like that versus some of the smaller that's an interesting question because you know from the outside you see lego which is this storied brand uh everybody knows about lego everybody loves lego uh it's a it's a bit different working uh on the inside, just because it is uh, a pretty old company. I think they're celebrating their 90th anniversary this year. Uh, they're actually based in Denmark. Uh, and so some of the challenges come from just the cultural differences between the, the Danes and the rest of the world. Um, they keep a pretty tight grip on product development. So they want to create a, a global assortment, um, which is a little tricky when there are cultural differences. Uh, so I, I imagine that's similar to other multinational corporations, but just uh, what you you gain in um, awareness and affinity, you kind of lose in agility just because of the size of the organization. And I know a lot of entrepreneurial minded people uh, would go mad, you know, trying to cut through the red tape uh, that any large organization is going to present. So with that being said, Drew, I kind of want to dive into the Tony box. I've been on the website. It's a very well-made product. It looks very interactive. It looks very complicated for me as an adult to use right now because uh, I want to play with all the toys. It seems like uh, it seems like one box makes for an endless world of possibilities depending on what you pair it with. So let's dive into the details of that. Sure thing. Uh, yeah, the Tony Box is an amazing little device. Uh, it was started in 2016 by a couple of dads over in Germany. So I um, was very well suited to to go from Lego to Tony's, just being you know a Western European toy company. Uh, but what the Tony Box is, it's a it's a screen free speaker box for kids. So it's about a five inch cube. And it's got a layer of foam around the speaker, and then it's got a very durable fabric around the foam. So it's just this cube that you can squeeze, you can play with it, um, but it's a system of play uh, because you put little Tony figures, uh, which have like an RFID chip and a magnet inside. So you place a Tony figure onto the Tony box, and it'll begin to play whatever it's programmed to play. So for example, we will partner with a lot of different companies like Disney, Dr. Seuss, uh, Universal, uh, Sesame Street, and we'll make you know characters like Peppa Pig, uh, Cookie Monster, uh, Disney Princesses, The Grinch, 
and they will read you an audiobook or uh, um, some will be uh, stories, some will be songs, some will be both. And it's designed to be an independent play device for children to be able to use with or without an adult. I think in a world full of technology, full of TV shows, full of iPads and phones and stuff, it's really awesome to see a product that comes out that's interactive, kind of like a tablet and everything else is, but interactive in a way where you're developing motor skills, you're interacting with an inanimate object, and you're not you're not having to be in front of a screen or a TV. I think teaching habits like that transition to going outside and riding a bike, going outside and doing things on a swing, all the stuff that I did growing up, because right now, and I know Peyton's a little older now um she's almost 10 and her phone is like her biggest toy like she didn't play with dolls she didn't play with anything like other than her phone and tablet so unfortunately like she's scarred by the social um kind of what our social culture is right now which is being in front of a tv question what do you think some of the struggles are like these have said now that kids are more on their phones companies like legos and, and tony boxes what are the what are the problems you're seeing marketing old toys versus digital entertainment yeah it's something that we saw a lot at lego uh you know as well loved as lego is there was always a challenge uh, for the kids getting older you know once they're seven eight nine years old they're moving away from building and they're getting more onto smartphones. They're playing Fortnite, you know, video games, things like that. So that's a challenge uh, to retain a, a child uh, with an analog or a screen-free experience. I think COVID really exacerbated uh, a lot of the, the screen uh, time. Uh, our school shut down. Uh, Childcare, you know, solutions were shutting down. People started working from home, and they just started giving their kids uh smartphones and tv shows at earlier and earlier ages and so now you're seeing two-year-old two-year-olds three-year-olds four-year-olds that are watching tv all day or playing smartphone games all day and so uh and i think we're seeing some negative effects of that you know social anxiety attention deficit so uh, we're trying to counterbalance that's your question uh by keeping a screen-free option available for parents. And it's working really well because there is a guilt that comes from giving your two-year-old or three-year-old a smartphone. Um, not to say that we're trying to play off of that guilt, but we're trying to empower and enable parents to give them a solution that's going to keep their child occupied and entertained and educated without having to uh, present them the screen and turn their kids into screen zombies. What are some challenges, Drew, that you've seen thus far? I, you've seen plenty of success, but I want to hear the challenges because those always help others to kind of rise above if they see it too, because you have solutions to those. So what are some challenges that you've seen in branding the Tony Box, marketing it, marketing it out to customers, and really developing the right price point for it to um, get into the hands as many into as many families as you can get it to. I referenced a challenge that I had at Lego was just the agility and and working you know quickly uh, as part of a large company. Uh, Lego had the benefit of having almost 100% awareness 
everybody already knew and loved Lego. I think the challenge that I'm facing now is that it, it is a startup. Uh, you know, we have had success in Europe uh, for several years, but I was part of the launch team uh, in the United States when we launched in 2020, which was still in the middle of the pandemic. Uh, nobody knew who we were. So the challenge is just making sure people know who you are and what you do. And so I would say awareness is always going to be a big challenge for a new company or new brand. And part of that challenge of letting people know who you are, the, the requirement on the marketer or the entrepreneur is to illustrate how you're different from competition and how you're successfully meeting or addressing the problem that you've identified. And so for Tony is that requires a lot of visual demonstration. If you see a picture of a Tony box and it's a static image, you're just going to see a speaker and you're not going to know, oh, this is a system of a, you put the Tony on the box, the Tony plays the story. Uh, you can actually navigate through the tracks uh, by giving the box a whack. You wouldn't know that just by seeing it. So there's a product education requirement. And so that's why we are um, spending a lot of our time and resources just telling people who we are and why they need a Tony box in their home. And I would imagine regardless of, of what you're trying to build, uh, you need to give people the, the what and the why. Um, and that's going to be probably your first challenge. It's so funny how business blends um, from business to business. So we don't offer a tangible product. We offer a service, right? Being a podcast, you offer a tangible product. However, the roadblocks for marketing are still very similar because we have to every day come up with rationale and solutions as to why someone would want to listen to us over Joe Rogan or whatever else and why we and what we provide is good and quality for our listeners, just as much as you have to provide why buy this product when I have a phone or whatever else. There's some of the old marketing strategies that are being replaced with new marketing strategies. So how did it change first COVID and then post COVID? I think that, you know, we've gone to a more digital world, obviously, and there's so much clutter to your point about, you know, just competing how many podcasts are out there. There's thousands upon thousands, you know, people have a limited amount of time in their day to choose what to listen to, or maybe, you know, they've got a 30 minute commute. They're only going to listen to 30 minutes of a, a podcast. I, I think um, there's a constraint there, but in terms of like the, the challenges, I, I really go back to um, trying to leverage community and, and leverage um, the power of like word of mouth, for example. And so one of the new marketing strategies, I would say, in the categories that I've worked in is, in, uh, is using influencers, right? So uh, I worked in beauty for five years. Now I've been in toy for five years. We use a lot of influencers that are, you know, basically moms and uh, women on Instagram or TikTok and they'll have like a huge social following. And I think there's some efficacy to that. One thing that I've really tried to do, and I might have an unconventional view on influencer strategy, but I've really tried to find people who somebody knows in real life. And instead of just some aspirational person they follow on Instagram, who is a credible person in my target consumer's life that's going to help them make the decision to purchase my product. So a couple of examples of that, you know, going back to prescription for play, 
I tapped pediatricians all over the country to uh, tell parents to play with their kids. And that was somebody that they knew in real life, somebody that they trusted, and somebody that they would listen to. Uh, I'm trying to do the same with Tony's right now. I, I started a program called Tony's for Teachers, which is a, a teacher initiative, putting these into classrooms. Well, the teacher is also a real person in real life who uh, your your target consumer knows. And so uh, maybe that answers your question, just uh, the old marketing strategy versus the new marketing strategy. It's It's really influencers, but uh, what types of influencers are you using and how much credibility and um, influence do they actually have? Uh, your second part of the question, just to touch briefly, was was about COVID. You know, when we launched during COVID, people were staying at home. So it was very hard to, to put a Tony box into the hands of people who were staying at home. Uh, so we had to rely on a lot of digital um, touch points, a lot of video, a lot of TV, uh, we're still doing that, obviously, but now that the world has opened up a little bit, um, my strategy is is to get the hands, uh, get the Tony box into the hands of kids, uh, whether that's at a pop-up event or in a classroom or in a library. If you can encounter the product uh, in the real world before um, being asked to make a purchase decision, um, that's what I would like to do. But again, that's that's great and all for products. That's probably a little bit different for services or for podcasts. Uh, but you have to just ask yourself, like, how do I get this into the hands or the ears of my target consumer? And you'll probably have success if you take that approach. What are some of the best ways to create an ad that is going to be positive and going to generate revenue for you? I found that your consumers are on a journey uh, and you have to know what point in the journey they are. And so before I know what kind of ad to create or what kind of message to give them, I have to understand how much they know about my product and uh, what they are, what's the next step in their consumer education. So uh, we started out actually uh, giving a very kind of aspirational message of Tony's. We made it very whimsical, very magical, saying that it was going to open up, you know, worlds of creativity and worlds of imagination. Uh, for your kids. And that's a great message and all, but if you don't know what a Tony box is and what it does, then you're not going to be concerned with opening up worlds of imagination. So I had to take a step back and to say, I need to create an ad that has a more functional message. This is a Tony box. This is how it works. This is why you would buy it. This is when and where you use it in your life. Use it to help kids go to bed at night. Use it to uh, help keep them entertained in the car for road trips. And that's all very functional messaging. Uh, once we tell that story and enough people know about us, then we can start to go up kind of the emotional ladder um, to get back to that, you know, worlds of creativity and imagination and all of that. But I think uh, to summarize, I think you have to know where your co uh, consumer is uh, and you have to take them to that next step of communication. So you know who they are. Is the devil in the details? Like, do you guys go in and pick color schemes? You pick the songs? Like, you pick what's said? How does that? Cause I feel like nowadays, like you said earlier, it's more digital and people's attention spans are very little. So you want to try to capture them in the first, you know, five to 10 seconds. So how does that work? Yeah, it's interesting because we live in such a kind of cluttery world where you don't really have a whole lot of time to tell your story. Um, but if you're an unknown brand, I would prefer maybe spending more time um, to reach fewer people 
with a longer message or a, a deeper message than just try to get a bunch of two, three second impressions. And so we found with our TV advertising, actually, that our 30 second spots uh, perform better than our 15 second spots, which the reverse is usually true for a more established brand because, you know, they're cheaper. It's cheaper to run 15 second ads. Um, if you already know the brand, it's just kind of a reminder to go out and buy it or to buy it again. But uh, again, depending on the maturity level of your brand, you may have to go for more quality impressions, um, even if it means your reach is going to be lower. Marketing can go many different ways, and it depends on the product. It depends on how you put it out there. It depend. The devil really is in the details on certain things. Um, I'm not going to market us out the same as you market out a Tony box, right? So it's definitely research and then lots of dart throwing and then seeing what sticks and fine tuning what stock. Yeah. I like that. You know, uh, not everything is going to be a home run, um, but if you are quick uh, and you can just iterate uh, a lot of kind of rapid testing or rapid prototyping uh, is probably going to help you find a closer solution. And, and then you do more of what works. It's funny because social media makes it easy. So you can run, you can run um, multiple ads that have different statistics, and then you can start um, building on what is successful and running based off what's successful. Social media has made it so insane for marketing, yet so expensive. Uh, you know, I've been at Tony's two and a half years, and and we are on track to um, just continue our growth. We just got into Target uh, a few weeks ago. Uh, we're now in Best Buy, Barnes and Noble. Um, the Tony's for Teachers program is growing. Uh, we're starting to get a lot of librarians are are asking about putting the Tony boxes in, in libraries. Um, so I, I think, uh, I've got a good gig going on here. Uh, I'm going to just keep that growth, uh, and, uh, keep building the brand in the U S for our listeners that have small little ones that want to get involved and get one of these Tony boxes, which I think are amazing. Drew has generously provided a link that we are going to put in the episode description for this podcast, where you can go to the website and use code Tony podcast for 15% off the purchase of a Tony box. So again, if you have little ones and you want them to interact with something that is not a phone screen, a tablet, or a TV, this would be a great, great, great solution. And Drew would be greatly appreciative of it. The website also does show interaction with the box and allows for you to kind of see what we're talking about. Obviously in a podcast, we can't really play with the box. No one's seeing it. So please go and do your research like we always ask. Drew, uh, I can't tell you how much I appreciate what you're doing, not only for the young community, but everything that you do as far as developmental pieces for our young children. Um, I know we had talked before this. You also opened up a daycare. And there, there's just a lot that you do for young children that is such a positive light. So Honestly, we need more people like you. Uh, I appreciate that. Uh, I've come to believe that childhood matters. You only get one. And uh, as adults, we have a responsibility to help the next generation and to give them the tools that they need to become you know, responsible, happy uh, adolescents and, and adults themselves. That's great. Yeah, I appreciate you having me. It's, it's great to chat with both of you.